this morning? Good. Good, good, good. Well, we are, uh, what is today? Is today like a special day for anybody? Sunday, come on, I like that, I like that man right there in the front row. Happy Valentine's Day, uh, with an N, not an M. My wife always accuses me of saying it with an M. Anybody else do that besides me? No, just me, okay, all right. I see how it's going to be this morning. All right, today's going to be a little crowd participation, uh, so be ready for that. And since you started out with that way, I'm going to ask you some extra hard questions, okay? All right, since everybody just punked me out in the audience. Well, welcome, I'm glad you're here today, it is also I think it's a President's Day weekend, right? So a lot of people are traveling out of town. I know my wife and a couple of my kids are gone. And um, so going up and checking out a college this weekend. And so pray for them. And uh, what else? Anything else going on this morning? Any else? Any birthdays? I just want to have any birthdays today. Your daughters? Is she here? No? All right. Anybody in the house with a birthday? Because I'd love to embarrass somebody right now. Please point them out. Jay, you know anybody? You're smiling. You just, you must have, did you whiten your teeth recently? Because they look extra white from back there. All right, well, it is really good to have you guys. We're in our final week of our series called Home. And uh, today is going to be a, 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 a great end culmination to this, counting that it is Valentine's Day. Uh, before I jump into this, let me just remind you, and if you did not know, uh, tell you that Easter is awesome around here at my church. We always roll out the red carpet because we actually do believe there was a guy that predicted he was going to die, went and got dead, and then rise from the dead. And we always kind of say, anybody who can go and predict his death and get dead and come back from the dead, we're with him, all right? I'm on board. I'm with that guy, all right? I want to be on his team. So we make Easter a huge deal around here. And so I want to personally recruit you. This is me personally recruiting you. I'm locking eyes with all of you. I've just recruited you, right? I have personally recruited you to be a part of our Easter, Easter team. We're going to call it our Easter dream team, all right? Because we dream of a day when Jesus will come back again. We expect that day to happen. And we're going to, we're going to utilize a dream team this Easter. And we're going, to, we're going to light this thing up like it's white hot and have an incredible day. But we cannot do it without an army of people. So we need... 300 of you, right? Right now, there's only about 180, 200 in this audience. I'm going to look the, the next hour directly in the eye like I'm doing with you, kind of on an ADD scale, and we're going to fire it up. So I want you guys to consider coming next Sunday night to our Easter pep rally. It is going to be a, be a like old school, like get you fired up kind of pep rally, and we're going to pass out rolls and goals, and we're going to get this thing fired up because it's a countdown march now to Easter, all right? So think about it, pray about it. If you cannot be there next week, this is not like completely letting you off the hook, but if you cannot be there and you're off the hook, we want to rehook you after that, all right? So it's not really off the hook. It's just kind of like we're still, we're still like waiting to set the hook, all right? So you can join now or you can join later, but you're going to join, all right? Everybody said? Yeah, yeah come on. All right, it's going to be a good day. All right, let me do this. Let me quick, quickly recap. Some of you have walked in this morning and it's like entering into like the last quarter of a movie and you don't know what's going on. So what we did in this series, we have walked through rooms, doors, areas of our homes and we've talked about the idea that if we build our homes, we build our families, we build our lives on Jesus Christ, the rock, the cornerstone, the firm foundation, when life's problems come because they will, 
when the waves, when the rain, when the winds come, the storms come, and they will, will your house stand? And we have said from the very first week, they will stand if we will practice building our homes on what God's Word says. Now, if you're not a believer, you just, you just, that, that statement just repulsed you, right? Because you don't even know that you believe in God's Word. You're not quite sure that this is the truth, all right? But I want to tell you that in my lifetime, and this is personal experience, in my lifetime, the times that I've done it right and the times that I've been doing it wrong has all been based on how I was operating my life based off of the one truth, God's Word. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're just kicking tires, we're, we're great at that around here. I mean, we're, we're great at letting you do that. We're great at let, giving you time and, and all that you need to, at your own pace, investigate the claims of Jesus Christ. And so when we kicked this series off, we said that most of us know this. Most of us know that, that somehow innately, if I'll follow what God's Word says and not just listen but be a doer, not just a hearer, but someone who processes this and practices this, then our life when the trials and difficulties come and the wind tries to knock us down and the culture and our enemy tries to jack up our marriage and our life, we're going to stand strong still. Many of us have seen doing it both ways in our life and many of us know, but it's not always so easy. And so we said what we've got to do is we've got to do what Jesus said. He said that if you will you know, trust me in all your ways, I'll make your path straight. If you lean not on your own understanding, but all on me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to guide you through this process. And he says, I want you to love me, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And so we've talked about, we talked about placing this sort of in a strategic mindset. How do we win for the long haul? Well, it's, it's step by step, taking simple, small at times, spiritual steps, saying, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn away from, I'm going to rethink how I do things. I'm going to rethink how things have been. And I'm going to understand that, wow, there's a better way. Maybe it's God's way. And some of you have been taking some steps in this series to do that. Today, there's only really one main room we've not talked about. Does anyone know what that is? <laughs> Does anybody know what room we've not talked about? The The, the bathroom. <laughs> We told Christy's dad last week, didn't he do a good job, by the way? I was going to try to quote some group this week, like he did last week, just to show off. And I decided that would not be a good idea, because I can't. So we, we actually gave him several different topics, and we talked about a couple. And at one point, we were going to go towards the bathroom. And uh, we decided not to. So, but it was going to be a good, good conversation, I, I promise you, because we had really gone that, down that way a little way. So... He did a great job last week. Today we're going to talk about the bedroom, all right? We're going to talk about the bedroom. And I want to just start this out with the idea that the problems that many of us have, you equate it to the bedroom. But the, in, in reality, is it, it isn't the bedroom. It is what we've brought into the bedroom that for many of us have caused problems, that have honestly wreaked havoc. And, I, and, I, and we've, we've done a whole marriage series pretty much, you know, last year on the book of of, um, of not so, what Solomon taught. Help me out here. I'm a little brain dead. Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. All right, we did a book study last year on that. And we walked through this, all right? But today I want us to really grasp as we kick this thing off that the problem isn't in the bedroom. It's what we brought 
with us into the bedroom. So let me, let me just kind of tell you where we're going with that, all right? But let me kind of diffuse you for a moment because I know a lot of you all of a sudden just got nervous, like, oh my gosh, I, I, now I know why we got that email this week that said it's a PG, and we would have gone PG-13, but we don't have anywhere for our 13-year-olds to go or our 12-year-olds to go this morning, so it's PG. But I want to ask a couple quick off questions this morning. First of all, how many of you guys are, you are married? Raise your hand. Just raise them. Good. How many of you guys, you are not married, you're single? Raise your hand. All right, keep those up. Keep real high. I want you to just look around the room. You might need to lock eyes with somebody. All right. No, no, it's all right. Everyone's like, no way, baby. No, no. Where else would you want to lock eyes with somebody if you're single? Right? This is a good place. It's a helpful place. It's it's healthy place. All right? If you did in that moment, did lock eye, eyes with somebody and it, it goes down a proper road and you get married and you have a child, you name him Jeff and you say, because of this day, on this day, we helped with that. All right. Let me ask you another question this morning. How many of you, and here's where we're going this morning, uh, sort of, um, how many of you guys have ever planned on, in your marriage, or if you want to get married, you planned on committing adultery? Nobody? How many of you guys would say, um, I, and in, in view of getting married someday, and, or in my marriage, I plan or am planning on um, totally becoming addicted to pornography? Nobody's. How many of you would say, okay, that's, those are kind of extreme um, in my marriage, uh, my goal and my plans are to only have an emotional relationship outside of my marriage with someone else. Anybody like that? All right, here's what's funny about this. Nobody raised your hand. And I knew that would happen, <laughs> right? I knew it would happen. But here's what's interesting about this. Here's what's very interesting. No one raised your hand to do these things. But statistics say that at least half or almost three quarters of you will do one or more of, the, of those things in your marriage. All right, that's statistically speaking, half, even up to 75% of us will do one or multiple of those options in our marriages. And the crazy thing is, nobody here in this room plans to destroy or damage your marriage. Nobody plans to do that. But yet, the majority of people do. So if you don't plan on not doing those things, chances are, high chances are, you're going to end up doing them if you don't practice what we've been talking about. And that is leaning into, leveraging what God's Word said is truth and saying, as for me and my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to rethink things. I'm going to turn away from what's been because that's gotten us nowhere. And, and I realize maybe, maybe at this point we haven't really hit a hurdle. Maybe we haven't really had a tremendous storm come through. But I realize that even though those things haven't been going well, I need to rethink things and I need to start doing things God's way. God's way because if I'm going to stand, if I'm going to stand with my family, they're going to stand with me, we're going to stand together it's going to be because we've, we've said, God, I'm going to trust you at your word. And I'm going to do what it says. Hands down, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hebrews 13.4 says this. In terms of our goal today of just talking to us about purity. And what it is. And how we exercise it. Even though we know none of us are ever going to be 100% pure. 
none of us will ever, 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 ever be completely sinless. We will go to our graves with a sin-stained life. However, God challenges us to be pure. Hebrews 13.4 says this, marriage should be honored by all and and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexual, sexually immoral. immoral. Alright, so basically God says purity matters to me. And it matters in your marriage. Did you guys know that 90% of Americans say that adultery is wrong? 90%. 90% of people say that adultery is wrong in America. But just a few years ago, actually 12, 15 years ago now, um, the University of California did a study that they found out that from 1998 to 2008, just one decade, just one decade, the percent of people in adultery doubled. In one decade, the percent of people, people maybe not willfully wanting to, maybe people who weren't planning to, but people who definitely planned not to, the portion of those people, percentage of those people in adultery doubled. Now, those are the ones who somehow either got caught or they could survey. So the question is this morning, why is impurity in marriage increasing? Why? Why is it such on a drastic rise? Why is it that, that for us, the reality is there in our lives, in your life, in my life, more so and greater, greater than ever. Why is the reality there? Why is impurity in marriage increasing? Three things today. More temptations today than ever, ever before. There's more temptations today than ever before. I know that every generation has said that, but there really, really is. There really is a far greater, uh, an, a greater amount of temptation today. Um, I know one of the one of the things that we we um, have seen in our own church in counseling scenarios with people that are that are having major destruction and and devastation in their marriage. Many of those are due to things like Facebook, um, because he or she ended up reconnecting with an old flame and played that tape out and had some fantasy going on in their brains, and then connected, and it's become an issue in marriage. So there's been a lot of social media. It's not that Facebook's wrong. It's not that social media is wrong. It's just that there's, there's, a, there's the reality of that being something that we didn't have years ago that's, that's a potential temptation for folks. Um, there also today, there are complete websites devoted to helping you cheat discreetly. We know about the whole Ashley Madison deal. I know that every pastor in America uh, looked and wondered, all right, who in our audience and even some pastors probably, I hope my name's not on that list, right? But we know, I've talked to many of you that said, yeah, there's people in our city, there's people in Fort Benning, there are people all over, and that was a big, big deal. My name was not on that list. I'm glad of that. Anybody else's name not on it? Good, that's good. <clears throat> but that's the deal. You can go nowadays to um, Craigslist, you can get a hammer, you can get a car, and you get a prostitute. All the same place. Uh, young people, it's, it's more difficult than ever before for young people. I remember if you wanted to, to look at porn as a teenager, 
uh, you had to find a buddy who had a dad who had a stash. Right? Nowadays, you can be a 12-year-old or whatever age your parent gives you a smartphone and you have full-on anywhere you want to go access all day long. Our world is dramatically different than it used to be and the temptations are greater than they used to be. I had a nephew of mine who was addicted uh, to porn and was admitted to a sex rehab as a 20-year-old. He's now 29 years old and he's worked through that. But at 20 years old, uh, the second thing is people are getting married, married later. That's another, that's another reality of our, our, our world today that we live in. People are getting married later. <clears throat> Excuse me, just a second. People are getting married later. And they are, because they're getting married later, they're, they haven't slowed down or curbed their appetite to want to date, so they're dating people. And oftentimes, if you aren't pursuing God in His Word, what do dating people do? They act like married people at times, right? We, we, we date, and we kiss, and we hug, and we do that, you know, like under-the-cover thing, gymnastics deal. This is PG. And... And what happens is we, because we're dating longer, the temptation's greater. And so we see people who date, date, and, the, and actually the number one cause for couples who are not married to break up is, get this, cheating on each other. Now that's, that's, that's on the rise like never before. Because, because there's a greater temptation and I believe because people, as they have more and more relationships and they date, date, and date, and date, and if they're not getting married, they're not pursuing God's way as the best way, eventually over time is what you find is people are just <clears throat> getting deeper into making greater mistakes and, and really being hurt by this. And what happens is once a couple dates for a while and they break up and they break up and they date and they break up and they finally find the right one, what happens is they've been practicing the wrong way for such a long time that when they find the right one and they break it with this one, they leave like they've done so many times before. People are getting married later. And here's the deal. <clears throat> many people are basically just practicing for failure. And the truth of the reality is you don't build a life of purity. You don't build a build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. You can't do it. It will not happen. Essentially, the best way to prepare for a great marriage tomorrow is by building a foundation of purity today. If you really want to have a great marriage tomorrow, what you do is you start today saying, God, I'm going to honor you in all my ways, and I'm going to acknowledge you in all my ways, and I'm praying that your word would be true in my life, that you would make my path straight. So people are getting, getting married late. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> people are getting married later. Now I know all of a sudden I've just kind of come out of the gate pretty heavy and hard. And I want you to know that if you have blown it, it already in this area, you've messed up. And I, I, and I know our society. I, I live in it. And, I, and, and I'm not a person who's like out of it. I'm in the thick of it with you guys. But if you've blown it in this area, the good news is you have the opportunity for grace. You have the opportunity for God's grace and for Him to meet you right where you're at 
and give you his grace, give you his love, and you can change. The third thing is that there is a growing sense of entitlement. Uh, basically, the idea is if you want, if I want it, I should have it. If I'm not getting it here, I'm entitled, I, I can get it somewhere else. And there's this growing sense of entitlement in our society today. And basically it just says this, I'm the God of me. I bow down to myself and I'm going to do what I want because God, doesn't God want me happy? And I hear that a lot. Yes, God wants you happy. We did a whole series where we talked about joy. God wants you happy, but he never wants you happy at the expense of doing things his way. Because essentially he knows best and he can play the tape out far greater than we can. He understands if you'll do things my way, it is the path for the best. It is the path for true joy and happiness. God does want you happy, but it's not about buying, bowing to yourself. It's about bowing to God. <clears throat> now, today I want to talk about two areas of purity. I want to talk about inner purity, and I want to talk about outer purity. Let's start with outer purity first. Let's talk about the behavior. All right, Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians 5.3, he says, But among you, there must not even be a what? What's the word there? A Hint, help me, a what? A hint. There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. <clears throat> or any kind or any type of impurity. Now, you guys know what impurity is, right? Impurity is basically the idea here God wants us to get is, it's poison. It's poison. Um... It, it, it's, it's not just dust in my water, it's cyanide in your water. It's not like mixing your mashed potatoes in your chicken pot pie. All right, that, that's just like, eh, that's, a little, that's, that's a little weird, a little messy, right? No, what I'm talking about here is poison. It's like a cat stooped over and diarrheaed. A cat did the diarrhea on your chicken pot pie. All right, I say that it's gross because I want you to see it and remember it. All right, picture it. You got your chicken pot pie. You can't wait to eat it. Your cat comes in and he squats and does the nasty on your chicken pot pie. Is anybody going to eat that? No, why? Because it's nasty. It's poison. And here, here's what scripture says. I can't believe I really did that. <clears throat> I thought it would work in my notes. You'll remember it, I promise. But there, but, but, but there must not be even a hint, a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. So let me ask you some questions this morning. If you're married and you have sex with your secretary, if you're married and you have sex with a babysitter, if you're married and you have sex with a cute guy who's your pool cleaner, is there a hint of sexual, sexual immorality? Yes or no? Please, one more time. Yes. If you look at porn while you're at work, while you're working out, while you're hardly working, is there a hint of sexual immorality? If you dress provocatively and you basically go, look what I got, or look, look, look what I hope to have, all right? And you flaunt it, and you show it off to somebody besides your husband, is that a hint of sexual immorality? 
If you're on a business trip when your husband's, your husband's at home and you decide to do a little dirty dancing just because it's with your business colleagues, is that or is there a hint of sexual immorality? If you're reading, ladies, Fifty Shades of Grey, come on. Is there a hint of sexual immorality? Because here's the deal. There's not 50 shades of gray. There's only black and white. There's only right and wrong. And it's like a cat squatted and did the diarrhea on your chicken pot pie. And if you want to have a marriage, now we, we, I want to make this light and I also want to make this heavy. I want us to have a visual. If you want your house to stand firm and for it to stay firm, and for it to not fall apart, and for you to be that statistic, we have to say, God, I'm going to do what you say. And we've talked about pride in this series, and we've talked about the tensions of this series. We've talked about why, why we don't want to do what God says. Oftentimes, we've talked about those things. But if you want your life, if you want your marriage not to crumble and fall apart and for it to stand strong and for you to have joy and have happiness, then we must get to the place where we lock arms together, where we encourage each other, where we take a step saying, God, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Solomon says to the adulterous woman in Proverbs 5, 8, he says, keep to the path which path? The one far from her. Do not go to the door of her house. We had a door a couple weeks ago. We talked about men. It is your role to be the enforcer of your homes. You are to protect anything that comes in your house. That means you are not to allow anything to come in your house. Even if it's, even if it's something that you're bringing in that's not supposed to be there, then that's when men, we need to man up and say no. Keep to the path far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Don't get close to it is what the Scripture is saying. What he's saying basically is let's be drastic with our purity plan. Let's be drastic with it. Let's be serious about it. Let's, be, let's, let's, let's make it okay to be known for what we are not doing, not in a weird religious way and tooting our homes and horns and saying, we boycott this, we boycott that. No. Within your sphere of influence, let's let people know where our boundaries are. Question is, what boundaries have you established for you, for you and your spouse? For your home? 1 Corinthians 16, or 6, 18 through 19 and 20 says this. It says, flee from sexual immorality. It doesn't say flirt with it. It says flee from sexual immorality. Now I understand that some of you today are, are not followers of Christ. You're not a Christian. You're not, you haven't given your life to this, this guy Jesus. You haven't, you haven't gotten to the place where you said, I, I'm following this guy. I'm a Christ follower. I'm a Christian. So, so I can see your pushback on this subject. But if you are a Christian, this is what the Bible says about you. If you have, if you have bowed the knee you have made Jesus leader and forgiver of your life. If He is Lord of your life and you've surrendered 
your life to his will for your life, then this is what scripture says. You are not your own. You are not your own any longer. God owns you, right? He is owner of your life. And that's a good thing a lot of times, right? There are some times we don't like it, but there are a lot of times it's a good thing. When it comes to your finances, and then you guys are, are tithers, and you give, and, and you, you, know, you sacrifice your stuff, your time, your energy, and you're like, God, I'm doing this for you because I understand what's going on in the world, and I want this to be used for you. What's great is when you get a car that breaks down, or some junk that happens, right, that is out of your control, and you get to go, God, remember all those times I've been trusting you? You owned this stuff. God, this is your car. It's broke. You got to fix it, Right? That's what we get to do as Christ followers. Flee from sexual immorality and then be reminded you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Yes, I'm a Christian. It's God's body. Scripture says flee from it. Flee from it. Why? Because it's poison in your marriage. Now, Christy and I, we, we aren't perfect. We've made mistakes. I'm going to tell you a story at the end. But we have set up boundaries. And we've set up, some, we've set up some real clear boundaries. I won't tell you all of them today, but here's just a handful. And many of you have some great boundaries. I've talked to you about this before. Many of you have talked about, hey, here's some things that we're doing. And I've gotten some great ideas for some of you, or from some of you, excuse me. Here's one of the, here's one of the ones that we both exercise. And I'm never alone with another woman in a private setting. I don't do it. Just don't do it. I know that may sound old school, it may sound old-fashioned, but it's my boundary. It's what we choose, it's what I choose for my marriage, so that means that I'm, I'm not in a counseling scenario with a shut door, I'm not even in a private office with another woman. If I'm ever with another woman, it's in a very public place, and usually I have someone with me, or it's at a Starbucks or something that like everybody can see what's going on. But I'm never alone with a woman on my own. Another thing is, uh, Christy and I share a Facebook page. I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but it's easy for us. It's easy for us. Uh, in my very first year of marriage, I had an old college girlfriend call me and said, hey, I've been divorced from my husband six months. What you got going on these days? She called my office at a church I was working at. And my wife happened to be in the office at that time, and I was like, I don't know. When I asked my wife, and I handed the phone over. It <laughs> It was just like, I didn't know what to say to her. I wasn't trying to hurt her or punk her out. I was just like, eh, here's Christy. Talk to her. So we just established that we're going to do a lot of things jointly. Because we got married that way. When we married, we became one. We said, hey, she and I, we're not individuals any longer. Now we're, we're, we're a team. We're the Murphy family team. So we have joint Facebook accounts. We share all our passwords. Every password. In fact, my whole household, we share all passwords. No one has any privacy in our house. Nobody. Nobody has privacy in our house. And that's why early on, we fell in love with Barney shows. All right? And if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You put the Barney show on, you get the kids focused, and dad and mom are like, come on, let's get out of here. Okay. So, we share all passwords, and we are very selective in what we do and don't watch. My wife and I, we walk out of movies on occasion. Sometimes you've seen us in movies, and we're like, oh my gosh, there's people from our church. we got to leave. We're gonna, they're going to think, right? So 
There are times that we stay, there are times we go, we've just established our own criteria. And the truth of the matter of this for all of us is we don't really have the strength on our own to do this and to win. I don't have the strength. You're saying, Pastor, are you saying that you're tempted that much you have to do all those things? That's what I'm saying. A temptation is a reality for all of us every moment of every day. So we've set up some of these boundaries for ourselves. The second thing I want to talk to you about is the inward purity. We talked about the outward, what that looks like. I want to talk about the inward purity and I want to go to the heart. Psalms 119, 9-11 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? How? By living according to God's word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray away from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not what? I have hidden God's word. I have, I have absorbed God's word in my heart so that I might not what? Blow it. I'm, I'm, God, I'm pursuing you to keep the, the cat diarrhea out of my marriage. God, I'm pursuing you. I'm, God, I'm pursuing you so I don't mess it all up. God, I'm leaning into you. I'm staying close to you. Why? Because you are my source of strength. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We can't live purely on our own power. The longer I seek God, the more God renews my heart. He renews my spirit. Right? The, the, the closer I am with God, and here's what I read in a book several years ago, when a guy goes to Home Depot, you're going for hammers, you're going for nails, you're going for, for all types of tools. But every guy knows when a woman walks in, if she's pretty, you're thinking, what aisle is she on? That, that, that's just reality. That's where a lot of guys are. And you're like, if you're a Christian guy, you're going, okay, I'm going to go to aisle six because I think she's on aisle four. I've got to go further away from that, right? And the longer you allow God to seep in your heart, the more you're repulsed by how you think. The more you say, God, I am not going there. I'm going this direction. The reality is, we can't do this on our own. It's only through Christ in us. I can do what through Christ? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Purity in the heart. Matthew 5.28 says, But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now that's just, that's just God, why did you put that one in there? Whoa. Whoa. That just, did that just raise the standard? No, God just drew boundary lines. And here's the problem for a lot of us. We think the boundary line's here. We know the boundary line's here. I cross over it. There's that physical connection. I did the nasty. We did the dirty. It's bad news. Man, the cat diarrhea in the chicken pot pie. And I stepped all up in it. And it's bad. It's a mess. We know that boundary. But here's what, here's what the Bible says. Really, the boundary's back here. Because as you start crossing these boundaries, then it becomes a real mess. And Scripture says, if you lust with your eye, pluck it out. If you lust and, you know, have a problem, then cut off your arm. 
Now, I don't know if that's literal or not. I sure hope not because some of you guys will be walking in here like this next week, all right? All right, God said, all right? But here's the deal. God wants us to stay far away from it. Why? Because it's poison. Because it will mess you up. Because the more you practice doing it wrong, you're breeding a lifetime of continuous mistakes. So there's three responses to impurity. Because we're going to sin. Hopefully we'll stay away from some of the the ones that cause us the worst devastation. And I pray that would be what happens in this church. But here's three responses to impurity. Number one, defensiveness. That's a response. That's a response. Probably a response from some of you today. If If you're listening today and all of a sudden you're defensive and you're pushing back and you're pushing back or if your wife wants to have a conversation today, Lord help you. And you get defensive. Right there is a telltale. You might need to write right in that moment or right now say, God, help me. Help me to admit to myself where I'm at. The second response is remorse. Now remorse, it's remorse. It's, it's getting to a place where you recognize this is where I'm at. This sucks. It's painful. It doesn't feel good. How did I get where I'm at? The third is this, repentance. I think in year three of our marriage, I remember um, being in my bed and watching TV and Christy was over maybe in the bathroom getting ready for bed. Guys, we just, we're just like, time for bed, you just jump in, right? Girls, you got to put like on green masks and you got to like brush your teeth. We don't do that, guys. We just like get in bed. We don't bathe. We don't, no, I'm just kidding. But I mean, I was, I was in my bed waiting for Christy to come to bed. I was watching TV. Had no intention of doing wrong. But as every guy knows, it's not about what's on that particular station. It's what else could be on, on another station. So I was ESPN, click. Hunting station, click. Infomercial, click, click, click. Um, you know, reality... That wasn't on back then when I was three years, first year. So click, girls in awesome bikinis. Click. And shortly thereafter, Christy walked in the bedroom. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, did you, did you pause long on purpose because of what was on that one station? And I lied at first. I was like, no, I got stuck. I was trying to, I just, I, it was dark and I couldn't see which was the up and the down. And this is what she said to me. She said, I hope it was worth it. And I've used that in my marriage. It's sort of just a reminder that it's never worth it. It's just never worth it. It's, it's never worth it. You can talk to every person that has blown it because of some, some, any type of sexual immorality. And I promise you, if they're being honest and you've given them, given them enough time beyond what they've done, they will tell you it was the worst decision of my life. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, and this is what I'll close with. 
Godly sorrow. Godly sorrow. The kind that like pricks your heart. It makes you feel like right now you're under conviction. Like God's speaking to me. I need, I need to take a step back and evaluate where I'm at. That kind of sorrow brings what? Repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That sounds like a, a bad thing. It sounds like a harsh thing. But it's better than the next thing. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to what? Salvation. God wants to just not save you for all of eternity from hell so you'd have heaven. Now that's awesome. I'm in. If there was only that one, I'd be in for it. Right? God loves me. He died in my place. He, he broke the chains of death when he rose from the dead. He's given me eternity in heaven. I'm in for that one. But God also gives us and wants to offer us salvation. That means breaking away from the chains that bind you here on this earth. We can, through Christ, win. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Wow. 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 So what we're saying is, the closer I am to God, the more I'm practicing His ways, the less regrets we will have. Meaning, when the waves come and the storms try to jack up your house, you're going to still stand. You're going to still stand. But, and here's the big but, here's the cat diarrhea. But worldly sorrow, meaning I, did, I, didn't, I didn't repent. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not choosing to change my direction. I'm not choosing to lean in for God's strength. I'm not choosing to go, God, I need your help today. God, I'm begging for you to help me. God, I want to give it, I want to, I want to get it all off my chest. I want to surrender it all to you. But worldly sorrow brings death. If you want to sum up, summarize the whole Christian existence, Jesus equals life. Jesus equals life. Some of you today, you're dying in, on the inside. Some of you are dying on the inside. Some of you today, are you're filled with shame. Can I tell you in a moment's, in a moment's, a moment's choice today, you can find forgiveness and you can find freedom. So I want to close with a prayer today. I'm going to ask every person here to take a step towards purity today. Not so we can beat our chest and, and, and prideful Christians do that. Honestly, the longer you're a Christian, yeah, your life ought to look cleaner. It ought to look different. But we should never get to the place where we look down on somebody else and say, look at me, look at my purity. Because all you're doing is looking at somebody else's purity and judging yourself. We should look at God's purity. And remember what He did for us and say, wow, God, you did that for me. I'm all in for you. And not only that, I'm going to submit and surrender because I can't do this on my own. Let's pray. God, 
Thank You for Your Word. God, I pray that Your power today in every person's life here would be made perfect. Your Scripture says, Your power is made perfect in our weakness. God, we are weak and You are strong. You are weak and we are... We are weak and you are strong. And I pray that today, every person in this room would make a commitment right now. God, as it, as it comes to my house, as it comes to my kids, as it comes to my marriage, as it comes to my singleness, as it comes to my teenage years, I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to, I'm going to lean into you for strength because I'm committing to be pure. I'm committing to be pure. Not in my own strength, but in your strength. And how about you would just say this morning, Jeff, that's where I'm at. I want to live a life of purity. Would you just raise your hand? I want to live a life of purity. That's where I'm at. Would you just raise your hand? It's just a commitment to God today. God, I want to live a life of purity and I'm, I'm surrendering to you all over the room. Some of you here this morning, you have felt weight and regret that God did not design you to have. That God did not make you to carry and some of you today, I believe with all my heart, there are people here today that God wants to take away that weight and give you freedom in Him. Freedom through forgiveness. Some of you would say, I, I need Jesus. I just need Jesus in my life today. I want to give my heart to Him. How many of you would say, that's me today? Would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you. Raise your hand. Right now, raise them. That's me. That's where I'm at. I want to pray for you right now. God, if it's salvation for the person who's never known you, God, I pray right now they would simply just say, Jesus, I want you to be the leader and forgiver of my life. Save me. Scripture says if we bow the knee, we confess with the mouth and believe in the heart, Scripture says we shall be saved. God, I pray for those that are Christians today, that they've not been following you and they're, they're practicing for failure today. And I pray that right now they would do an about face. They'd rethink where they've been. And they would surrender to you for where they'll end up and where they'll go. So Lord, I pray that you would right now, you would forgive us of our sin. God, you'd bring freedom from the things, God, that have been holding us. And I pray that you would break them free, you'd break it away, and God, we would stand strong in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. I want to invite our host teams to come forward. Church, I love you. And I know that's a heavy conversation for some of us this morning. The greatest news there is, is the good news of Jesus. He never quits on us. Some of you, you will leave today and you will sin. 
I'll probably be the first one. Because I are a sinner. But the greatest news is we have a God who loves us. No matter what. We pray for this offering. God, use these resources to change people's lives forever. God, use these resources to help break us from the grip of fear, the grip of greed. And I pray that this, these, these funds, God, would lead us closer to you. And God, you be glorified by our faith and our trust in you. God, I pray in this last song, God, we would just celebrate you as being our Lord, our Savior, and our provider. God, it's in you that we trust. In your name we pray. Amen.